0: Upworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. Hello
1: everybody. My name is Todd Perry, a staff writer at Upworthy, and with me is the wonderful Allison Rosen. Allison is the host of the super popular podcast Allison Rosen is your new best friend and childish with comedian Greg Fitzsimmons. On the show today, uh, we're going to review some of Upworthy's most popular and engaging stories from April 18th to the 22nd. Before we get into that, uh, as you know, uh, Allison, we're always, you know, as a new podcast, we're always looking for new, fun, cool ways to promote the show and let people know that Upworthy Weekly is out there. It's the greatest podcast on earth and everybody should be listening.
2: I mean, last week I suggested that if they're going to revamp Mount Rushmore and they're going to put non-presidents on there, they include you and me. And somehow not everyone went for that. And I feel like that was some outside the box genius thinking. So if I'm going to put myself on the line and make myself vulnerable with my ahead of the times disrupting think i mean i'm a regular elizabeth holmes without the fraud i think you know who i'm talking about but if you guys are gonna just nix my idea i'm done suggesting things so i'm glad you've brought some ideas to the plate today todd
1: well i mean i do love the idea of us being carved in granite in a remote part of wyoming and everybody that drives by goes who's that and then you go, oh, they have a pod. <laughs> they have a podcast. Check it out. You know,
2: you're right. I guess there would have to be a like, there'd have to be an asterisk under us, and then there would have to be a lot of signage. It's not the most succinct idea.
1: <laughs> no, but you know, again, there's no bad ideas on the upworthy uh, marketing tip. So just uh, bad people. That's right, just us. Uh, <laughs> So what happens is this morning, my buddy sent me a, a TikTok video of uh, rapper, uh, cultural icon, and uh, Long Beach hero uh, Snoop Dogg, and you know I always like it the fact I get like tons of TikTok videos from uh, my my buddies that are all like in their mid to late forties, like <laughs> huge with the uh, old guy set, but. So he sent, sends me this, and it's Snoop Dogg talking about how much he charges to get on a track.
3: It's so what it costs to get on a song if I didn't want to go that route, which obviously... We'll oh, $250,000. $250,000? Yeah. So if somebody gives you 250000 that means that you'll you jump on it. You get about on. 16 bars. 16 bars. hmm And when it's time to do the video, I need to get another two fifty a body. All right. Big money. And Is you that only, standard? And you only got an hour, so get to filming.
1: So I heard that, and then I thought, Ding! What if, you know, I nicely, hat in hand, walked into the office of Joseph R. Upworthy, mm-hmm. who is the founder and CEO of Upworthy. He's kind of, a, he's kind of a Willy Wonka-esque kind of guy, but with a little bit of a temper. But So I walk in, and <laughs> at the end of his very, very long desk, I sit down and I go, you know, Joe, I think I got a great idea for how we're going to take this show to the top, like top of the iTunes charts. We're going to get Snoop Dogg to come on the show, and you know what? All you got to do is pay him. And you know it's re- roughly he's affordable. He's gonna come on for do an hour for two hundred fifty grand, and then also spit a sweet sixteen, which mm-hmm. you know Alice and I can do with him. And then you know we could do a whole episode called like Snoop worthy. Snoop worthy, yes. Yeah, and the the show would have like tons of cred. All we gotta do is just give him a couple bucks, and maybe I was thinking, possibly I could get like a Long Beach discount as somebody who lives in Long Beach and he's from yeah. Long Beach. We have the right. The, the cliff may ranchos meeting up with the east side you know I, I i think it would be a hit i think the kids would love it um
2: yeah and then we could just throw it up on the youtube channel for just another 250,000 but with your your you know long beach discount 249,000
1: that that's right one one k off just cuz he didn't have to drive that far you know right it, i
2: think it, it's brilliant it, and i was just like
1: you know we just just be us hanging out you know like
2: I, I think that i could be
1: the hype man and then you could like sing the hook or something like just talk yeah. about how snoop dogg's so great you know right just be like uh rap music y'all beats and rhythmic talking snoop dogg And then, like, he'd come in and do something like, oh, dog, no. like that, you know? Snoop right. dog up, up. Upward. And he'd worthy. be like,
2: good news, y'all. Good nizzle. In the hizzle. That's what he sounds like, right? Yeah, pretty
1: much, yeah.
2: Smoke and Blunt's best of humanity. Izzle, schnizzle, nizzle, dizzle. Crib, yo. That's what he sounds like, right?
1: Uh, pretty much And you know We'd just be like And then, then i come in And just be like Snoop Dogg And the Deuce Deuce <laughs> and, You know I think I oh. Yeah I think we, we we get it all done live And he's a good freestyler Cut it up mm-hmm. It'll be It'll work in many different ways Because first of all You've got it You know The podcast People want to hear the podcast uh, It obviously becomes A great radio hit Uh Given you and I kind of backing him up as part of like, you know, the worthy mafia or whatever we call uh-huh. ourselves. And
2: I think our talents are apparent from that little snippet they got. Mm hmm. Prodigious I mean, talents. Yeah, I just
1: and then at the end you could just start shouting out random city names in the greater Los yeah. Angeles area.
2: I, I, yeah. yeah. My favorite part of the clip you played earlier, not the one of us being really talented, but the one earlier is the guy going, Is that standard? Like standard for whom? Hmm. <laughs> right. for just an average person probably not right for snoop maybe i like that snoop
1: has like zero interest in who he's working with at all it's mm-hmm. not like a great artist or a bad artist He's just like that's the rate and you get 16 bars i, I come like it. in and
2: it's like it. a, it's yeah you know that service cameo yeah i'm on cameo but snoop should put himself on cameo He'd be by far the most expensive person on there,
1: oh, I imagine, but yeah, so you know, I just think this is a great way to hit people and you know, what would they call it, you know flooding
2: the zone when it comes to marketing? I've not heard that term, but uh it makes sense
1: well, so joseph r upworthy you've you've heard a little bit of what we plan to do, and now the ball's in your court, all right, you want Snoopworthy or you don't want Snoopworthy, it's in your court. <sighs> So Allison, what upworthy stories are we talking about this week?
2: Oh my gosh, so many good ones Okay, this first one I think anyone who's ever taken an Uber or Lyft Will love this story Uh, There's a guy, his name is Cameron And he has a sheet that is taped He's a driver To the back of his driver's seat With a menu of different kinds of rides You can opt for when you step into his uber and it says to ensure the best ride possible for you i have prepared a menu of the various types of rides i offer just choose one or don't that's an option two and sit back relax and enjoy the ride and then it lists 10 ride options he offers so these are different types of ride experiences you can have in his uber one the awkward ride you just ignore this menu completely then we will sit in silence for the remainder of the ride Two, the funny ride. I tell you jokes or entertaining stories from my life. I have to butt in and say, those are two very different things. That that should There should be like a 2B uh, for the stories. Okay, well, you know, three. He,
1: he could be like one of those stand-ups that they actually don't tell jokes. They just tell stories.
2: Oh, yeah. Observation. Right. This is true. Yeah. Three, the silent ride. Well, that just seems like the awkward ride with a different name. But anyway... Uh, Four, the creepy ride. I don't say anything, but I keep staring at you in the rearview mirror. Five, the karaoke ride. We rock out to hits from the 80s, early 2000s, or literally whatever you want. Six, the bubbles ride. We blow bubbles the whole time. Seven, the small talk ride. We talk about how crazy the weather's been lately, and I ask if you caught the game last night. Eight, the therapy ride. You vent to me about your problems, and I listen. Can I tell you that I have taken an Uber? However, it was the therapy ride, but the other way around, where the driver was just pouring out her problems to me, and I was thinking, this is not what I wanted. Um, Nine, the drunk ride. You throw up in my car. And ten, the cliche ride. You ask me how long I've been driving for a Lyft. Uh, Allow me to go back in time and... uh, Control F, a control, you know. Uh, I wish this joke would work. I'm trying to do the like find replace every time I said Uber and replace it with Lyft because apparently this whole thing was Lyft, not Uber. But you get what I was trying to say. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, you know, they are different services, and, you know, I'll, and I'll get into how I know uh, the difference. I'm
2: a Lyft gal meself. So really, this is more Lyft than Uber when you think about it. And then Annie Renault, who wrote this, uh, she offered some ideas of her own, like the pep talk ride where the driver gives you encouragement or the tour guide ride. So interesting details about where you're going. um, The life story ride. You each share your life story for half the ride, the deep questions ride, the high school debate ride, the pretend persona ride. That just sounds like an improv game, which sounds awful. Um, So I love this idea. I I love codifying it so that if you want, and this shows that I'm kind of an introvert, uh, if you just want a silent ride, you don't have to feel rude trying to like put on your earbuds or pretend you're on a phone call or something. You could just ask for it. However, I think that I would opt for the joke ride so I could hear jokes. And then I would wish I had opted for the silent ride. Yeah.
1: So you, what ride are you going for here?
2: I'm going to go for, okay. In my heart of hearts, I want the silent ride. But, okay, allow me to tell a quick story. I think I've talked before about when my sister and I were in France and I insisted on speaking French, even though I can barely speak it and I can understand it even less. So we couldn't get around. And everyone there speaks English, but I just, the indignity of speaking English when I was in their country, I wouldn't go for it. So I, we couldn't find anything. Um, this is back before you could find, you could. Locate everything on it. I didn't, we didn't have smartphones. This was in the Middle Ages. Anyway, but while we were there, we took uh, a tour bus where you, um, like a tour bus around town, and you wear uh, headphones, and there's a tour in like 11 different languages, and you just, you know, find your language and then you listen to it. However, because I, potentially this is like undiagnosed ADHD. I don't know. I spent the whole time just switching channels, listening to it in different languages. (laughs) Again, not understanding it. So I like to explore. One time I was in a hotel that had a sleep number bed. I don't think I slept a wink because I was like, I got to find my number. And I had to just, if there's a menu, I got to explore the options. So what I'm saying is, I know I want the silent ride, but knowing that there's an option where the guy tells me jokes, the funny ride, I would ask for that and then I would be trapped listening to these terrible jokes. No offense. Maybe they're funny.
1: It, the problem is if he was actually funny, he probably wouldn't be driving a lift. you know?
2: Maybe. Like if this was A grade, yes. I, I'm
1: thinking it's going to be more like the kind of quality humor you get at like comedy traffic school.
2: Yes, you're probably right. Yeah. Right. So it's gonna be painful. I, I already regret that I chose this even hypothetically. What would you choose? You know, I'd probably go
1: for the small talk and then try to quickly elevate it into big talk, you know? Oh my god, why
2: are you doing that? Uh, just, just to, as a challenge.
1: Yeah, just as a challenge. I try to I try to, you know, up the game a little bit. As somebody who talks professionally, I feel like I can maybe move him into new corners into deep and scintillating conversation from something that starts with like, yeah, uh, hot day today, you know? Um, so, I, But I, see,
2: as somebody that talks professionally, I feel like that's like, I'm a doctor. I'm not a doctor, but I feel like it's like saying, I'm a doctor, and in my spare time, I like to diagnose <laughs> moles at parties or something. You know, it's like, don't you get enough talking in your, with me? What oh. am I not providing you, Todd? That you have to talk to to Lyft drivers.
1: Because I want to talk about the Dodger game last night, and that's just not happening <laughs> here, okay? Okay. <laughs> I want to talk about why Kershaw was pulled, okay? He was not pulled. Okay. He had a perfect game in the seventh. But, okay. So, but if, sometimes I'm the silent guy, uh, you know, just depending on my level of intoxication when I get into the Lyft. Uh,
2: well, there y- is the drunk ride, but that one's – the way Cameron, the driver – put it that involves you throw up in my car I'm surprised he doesn't tack on an extra charge for that there should be one
1: they do charge extra you know I have a confession to make which I feel do I should tell. have should have screamed like Dave Grohl
2: I got a confession to make. yeah what then, is it
1: and then go into a hour-long conversation about how Pat Benatar influenced Nirvana anyway sorry sorry Sorry, can't can't rip on Dave Grohl these days.
2: Um, no, it feels wrong right now. Yeah.
1: So, a couple years back, I drove a lift. What? <laughs> I know. Just let it let
2: it let it settle. Oh, there's um, no shame in that.
1: No, no, not shame. What happened was, uh, I had put down a deposit for season tickets to the Las Vegas Raiders as they were building the stadium in Las Vegas, and the thing is that. In order to get season tickets, you have to first put down a seat license fee, which is not cheap, mm-hmm. which is pretty damn expensive and you know because is be it like, like
2: Snoop money?
1: It's not quite Snoop money depending on where you sit, but it would be the equivalent of me going, you know what our family could go on like three four trips to Hawaii or I could have you know my seat licenses for the Raiders. So I made mm. a deal actually where I'll go. I'll drive for it. I'll just go out and I'll hustle. And so that guilt-free, it's not coming out of our bank account. The kid's like not going to a year of college uh, because daddy had to have his Raiders seats. So I went out and I hustled and I made all the money to pay for the thing, just driving Lyft at night. And honestly, I loved it. It was a blast, you know? How long
2: did you drive for?
1: I think I'd go out enough. It was like... I needed to make $400 every month. So I just went out like, I don't know, five nights a month or whatever for like three hours. You know, and i just mm-hmm. go down, pick up drunk people in Belmont Shores or downtown Long Beach. Or, sometimes you'd wind up in the butt end of the San Fernando Valley because you picked somebody up or whatever. But um, yeah, it was actually really fun. And the, for just kicking around driving, the money wasn't terrible. And I hit my goal and i have a just i we could do five shows on todd's favorite lift <laughs> driving stories but the cool thing was i did it and boom and so then whenever i sit and i'm sitting in my luxurious seat in section 411 i uh, i go you know you earned that todd you you earned that and you you set set a goal and you achieved it but good for you yes and i was i was once assaulted while Whoa. driving driving the uber I picked up a couple at a, uh, the, I picked up a straight couple at a gay bar in da- in uh, Long Beach, and the woman was severely intoxicated, like can hardly stand, and her husband, who I found quizzical because he had a like a Freddie Mercury mustache, mm-hmm. and w- where you go, gay or cop? <laughs> Right? See all the options, so you know I gotta know who's getting in the back seat. Is this a cop? You know, is this is, is you know, is this her friend? You know what's happening? But I realized right. there were a couple that was together, and it was a quick ride, and she was really drunk, and the husband, Freddie Mercury, was sitting in the back seat, and I so I jokingly go, "Fun night," <laughs> you know, and he's doing that. Oh God, just get her home, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And as we get towards the house, she starts saying. I hate you. To I you hate or to t- him? To me. Wow. And I'm like, oh no. And then she goes, but I love you. And I'm like, oh no. This is this is becoming you know a scene from Bullets Over Broadway. And so I'm like, oh god. And as we get closer, she puts her hands on my neck. Hmm. And then she grabs me by the neck from behind and starts like Uh-oh. pulling my shirt and with her big crazy nails, she like scratch my neck. And Where's
2: what's her cop Freddie Mercury has been doing at this time? Well, clearly he was not a cop.
1: Uh, <laughs> it, he, like I feel like a cop would do something, you know. Yeah. Or, but so he, he does nothing, and then he I actually help him remove her from the car, and when we get to the apartment where they lived, and they get ready to walk in, she turns to him and says, "We should include him tonight." Oh boy. And that's when I realized that it was a straight couple going to a gay bar that night. And she probably got really drunk because she was nervous because they're going to go bring somebody home.
2: Yeah. And then they struck out and thought, this is our last ditch effort. (laughs)
1: Right. I'm the 2 a.m. gal at the bar right there, the Lyft driver. Uh, How'd
2: you extricate yourself? Or didn't you? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Woo! On next week's show. Uh, (laughs) When Snoop comes on, I'll tell him. No, but I, I dropped them off and they got out. And then I was like, you know... I bet I'm going to look in the app tomorrow morning and have like a big fat tip because you, assu- you assault the guy, I, mean, I think that's worth 15 bucks, you know? Yeah. Nothing. Bupkiss. I got minimum charge on that ride. Bup kiss and she, oh, if I ever saw that couple, if I ever saw Freddie and Morticia or whoever the hell she was, again, uh, it'd be over.
2: Oh my God, I just realized you are the perfect person for me to talk to about something that came up on my show recently that it was the second it, Tony, my my producer brought it up. I had forgotten that I ever aired this on the show. Okay. You know how lift drivers rate the passengers? Did you always rate the passengers? Do you have to rate them? I,
1: yeah, uh, what, what? But you didn't have much time. It would give you towards the end. At the beginning, you had time to choose, but if not, uh-huh. it'd be like, yeah, I have 60 seconds, rate them. So I just, five to everybody. I didn't I didn't bother. Okay,
2: right. So I try to be a really conscientious passenger. So I don't know what compelled... I, when I found out that passengers can look at their scores... Um, I went to go look thinking like, of course, I'm going to have a five. I'm five material because I'm very, I try to be a really good passenger. And I look and it's 4.8. Now, people, I, when I tell the story, people are like, but that's really good. And I'm like, yes. However, that means <laughs> that someone decided I was less than five. What could I possibly have done to be less than five? So I began to obsess about it. And here's the part that I had forgotten till Tony reminded me. I ended up calling Lyft to ask, (laughs) I know you can't give me much information, but is there any way you could just indicate, was this like one person gave me a real bad score or like a few people gave me, le- you know, I just wanted just, just anything they could tell me. And they just kept repeating, we are not at liberty to give you that information. We're not at liberty. And I was pushing like, you know, I, cause a couple of times I had guests on my show who didn't have cars. So I got them lifts like, you know, maybe those people got, you know, of course it couldn't have been yours truly. So maybe those people had less than perfect scores, you know, do you happen to have the dates and they just wouldn't tell me anything. So, what were reasons? So, you only ever gave people fives, though, is what you're telling me.
1: Yeah, I feel like if I was like a professional lift guy that did it every day, then maybe I'd be anal about that and care about the company. But it was more just like, okay, I, I want to go make a hundred bucks tonight, you know? Yeah. Um So, so I, I mean, didn't.
2: What could I possibly have done to bring this upon me? It feels very unfair. Yeah. I'm getting caught up again.
1: I'm I'm thinking maybe. Maybe it was like a, a a male Lyft driver, and they're like, "Oh, girl in the back. Maybe she'll be nice." And maybe if you were just like having a silent ride, he'd be like, oh, "Right, that be, you know, I'm, I'm downvoting." You know, I'm, yeah, y- you never know with people.
2: And that seems possible. Seems
1: unfair. You could have left That's some possible. crumbs in the back seat. Like I would
2: find weird. Cra- I don't I even. A- I don't even eat in. I I won't even eat in a. I I say I won't even as if it's like you should be able to. No, I remember reading like it's considered totally rude to ever eat in a car. So I don't I don't eat in a lift. But yes, you know what it is? I think there was one time we were going to an airport and we were getting all the kids in the car. And I think that that except we tipped him really well. But I do think that we were probably on. Oh, wait a minute. Also in San Francisco, there was like a group of us. We could have been on that guy's last nerve because they were – I was not drunk, but I did have a couple friends. I don't know. I can think of a couple instances now that I think about it where maybe it was a little irritating. Yeah. I was perfect, but maybe the other people in the party were irritating.
1: Sure. You're never grading at all. It's never. never. You, know, you know. I can't. I, no. You know, I had I – had. there's just a lot of mysteries sometimes when people got out of the car. I'm like, what was their deal? Like, yeah. one time I, I picked up a woman, I think in Lakewood, California – seems seems right. And I pick her up and she had to go to a Walgreens. So I drove to the Walgreens and she went in there to get like a prescription. And then she comes back and I think from looking at the thing that I'm taking her to Walgreens, I'm taking her back home and it's a quick little ride, whatever. So I, I'm driving her back and then she asked me to go a different direction, not towards her house. Hmm. That's kind of weird, but she goes, whatever. And she goes, oh no, you're dropping me off at my rental car. And I was like... Hmm. So why did you take an Uber right. lift, and then and then she goes, then she then she took things another step for, further and goes, my husband doesn't know about it. About what? I don't know oh, about the <laughs> rent. Oh, about the rental car. So she was hiding a rental car from her husband and going to go pick up medication and then going somewhere oh. obviously in the rental car and then gonna need a ride back. I don't know. Huh. But I wanted her to tell me, like, you cheating? You creeping right now? What's going on?
2: Right. Like, you know, what medication is it? Yeah. What is, what what's going part, on? What party's happening tonight? Yeah.
1: But yeah, I had a whole bunch of crazy ones. I had the most loveliest girl ever. I just honestly, she was a sweetheart. And I had to drive to like the valley. And like halfway in the conversation, she's like, oh, man, I got to go to prison for six months. And I was like, What? She was like, I had too many Mai Tais, and I was riding my motorcycle, and I accidentally hit a cop car. And I was like, oh, (laughs) oh, sucks. And I wanted to, like, eight months later, be like, you out? How'd it go, you know? Right. Uh, How was Chow Chilla? You know, but...
2: Is that the name of a prison? Yeah, didn't you ever watch that
1: show, um, those Scared Straight
2: shows? No. I didn't watch Oz or the Scared Straight show. I did watch Locked Up Abroad. And locked, is it called Locked Up? Locked Up and Locked Up Abroad, where they would have reenactments of usually drug smuggling. Yeah. Anyway, unfamiliar with Chowchilla, but it sounds like a great place.
0: Upworthy weekly. Weekly.
2: Hey, everybody, I'm Nick Layton.
0: And I'm Leah Bottima. And we're the hosts of Were You Raised by Wolves? Each week, we try to make the world a kinder, nicer place. Well, that's the idea, at least. I mean, we try. Have you ever wondered what to do if you're ghosted? Or what to do when a friend asks you to borrow money? Or the proper way to eat Cheetos? You know, the big questions. So please find Were You Raised by Wolves wherever you listen.
1: The sunscreen song is 25. Here's why the advice from the Gen X anthem is still important. And uh, I actually wrote this this week. And it was because I was, I forget, I was writing some other piece and the idea of wearing sunscreen came up. And then I was immediately transported to the late 90s. And the Baz Luhrmann song, known as the sunscreen song, obviously you're familiar with this, Allison.
2: Yes, I well I remember this is how old I am. I remember when this uh graduation speech was popular and everyone attributed it to Kurt Vonnegut. Mm. And then it came out that no it wasn't him. So I remember it before it was even set to music.
1: Oh wow. So you were you you knew the I'm band I'm 116. You knew the band before the band knew they were a band. That's right. You know. So yeah, there was I guess there was a columnist, and her name was uh, Mary Schmidt for the Chicago Tribune, and she wrote like a fantasy to the graduating class speech in 1997. And I think everybody who's reached a certain age gets to the point where they think they can tell the youngins how to live their life, you know? Like I get a little I get a little preachy when I'm talking to like my nieces and nephews about hey you know you know if you like the girl here's what you do you know <laughs> like thinking I know I've met, you know put that money away right now you know whatever you know no. anyway so everybody kind of has that in them. and that, that was the point of her column so she wrote this thing where she said hey the most important thing is to wear sunscreen and then the rest of it was kind of anecdotal truths that she's picked up and i'm gonna play just a clip of it to jog people's memory uh because if i play more than a clip then we'll get into the place where spotify like takes the show down because we're playing copyrighted music ladies so. and isn't gentlemen this fair,
2: i mean i know that'll happen oh i was saying, i know that'll happen but isn't this fair use because we're talking about it is it okay i mean yeah yes but let's not let's not push it but yes i believe i believe if it if it Push came to shove. We could defend what we're doing, but let's not go up against the computers and the man.
1: Yeah, I just you know maybe we can ask Joseph R. Upworthy to get some kind of legal (laughs) opinion from Upworthy Legal. Oh, he's a
2: lawyer as well. I I love it. Well, no, he
1: has a team of high-priced lawyers. Is the of
2: course. Yeah. So here's just a clip,
1: and it'll it'll make you weep if you're of a certain age. I think now now that you're old enough to be the kind of person that would write something like this, ladies and gentlemen
3: of the class of ninety nine.
1: Into like a Sugar Ray sounding guitar and beat right here. <laughs> Every morning. Enjoy the
3: power and beauty of your youth. Oh, never mind. You will not understand the power and beauty of your youth until they fade it. But trust me. That's, that's not true for us because
1: the power and beauty of our youth has yet to fade, by the way. It's still shining bright.
2: That's right.
3: In 20 years, you look back at photos of yourself and recall in a way you can't grasp now how much possibility lay before you and how fabulous you really looked. You.
2: Oh, yeah, that's God. true. Oh,
1: <laughs> I can't throw myself off a bridge. I. uh You never. They're think- really.
2: I really do look back and I, I like in a way I couldn't understand and I understand now in this sort of sad like oh that chapter is closed this sense of like oh that was the prime of my life at least in a in a physical sense and I didn't realize it when it was happening
1: Yeah even if even but if you cares? you heard this you heard this song yeah. and they told you and then you uh,
2: Everyone tells you, but you, you can't hear it. Your, your ears aren't fully formed yet. or not, your, And your brain also isn't.
1: If everybody could just remove that part of the brain that goes, not going to happen to me. Yeah. At that age, how great <laughs> would life be?
3: You know? Are yeah. not yeah. as fat as you imagine. Yes, I am. Actually, <laughs> don't worry <laughs> about true. the future. Just- or worry, but know that worrying is as effective as trying to solve an algebra equation by chewing bubblegum.
2: Kind of deep at the time, and now it just sounds pretty facile.
1: (laughs) I I think it'd be a hard sell to you saying not to worry about things. Yeah. So basically, the song goes on and on, and it and it's it's great. There's a lot of stuff in there. There's like um, a a lot of advice in there, like don't be reckless with other people's hearts. It's actually a really beautiful Mm -hmm. thing. And And again, it goes on and on. You can listen to it wherever you like, but or not. In hindsight, I, I thought the song was kind of powerful and just how unlikely that that was like a huge hit song that you saw on MTV all the time and you saw, you know, yeah, you heard it on K-Rock out here in Los Angeles and it was something that was around for a while and then I feel like everybody forgot about it. It's not like something yeah. from the 90s that you, you know you're going to hear other stuff from 1999. You know, it's kind of like the swing thing we talked about a couple shows mm-hmm. ago where that was like massive and then everybody forgot it happened. Like we all just wiped our hands of it.
2: Right. Wasn't it in Romeo and Juliet?
1: They were remixing a song from Romeo and Juliet and then oh. said, "Hey, this Vonnegut piece will go well on it." But it's so I I looked at it and I looked some of like the, the claims at the advice to see if it was actually worth taking. And the one thing they say, one of the famous lines is, you know, do one thing every day that scares you. And research shows that the greatest opportunity for personal growth is to step outside one's comfort zone and also uh, exposure theory that when we expose ourselves to our fears, we have the greatest chance of overcoming them. Uh, And there's another bit about don't waste time on jealousy. And uh, I found some professors that make a point that we live in like the period of the most jealousy ever because mm-hmm. every day we're Social on that. Media. Yeah, we're on that IG seeing perfect thighs and, you know, perfect kitchens and perfect children. Then also they say, you know, remember compliments you receive, forget the insults.
2: That's we've smart.
1: Ta- we've talked many times on this show about how there could be 15 positive reviews. And by the way, leave one on iTunes. And then, but there's that <laughs> one that you never forget. Yeah. Um uh, yeah, so I you know went through it, and you, you guys can read the article if you like, but there's a whole bunch of stuff about how the things that the gal who wrote it said, which she posited is just anecdotal. Like, this is just what I've learned from life. When you look back, everything she said is completely backed up by psychologists. So, you know, maybe she was in therapy and uh, just wanted to write off the expense by writing a column on it. <laughs>
2: It would be weirdly attributed to someone else for a long time. Yeah, that's got to suck. But I guess this that's, woman... It's weird. Because it, yeah. it's the... I mean, nowadays, if that happened, it would take less than an hour and a half to find out who really wrote it. But back then, it was like weeks, which yeah. I don't understand.
1: And well, because it was like 1997, 1998, and yeah. for, the internet was slow, first of all. There wasn't a lot mm-hmm. on there. And you...
2: <laughs> right
1: Vonnegut Bagong
2: begong, begong. yeah sound.
1: and then I'd have to like you'd have to go into a chat room to find this out and I'd have to pretend right. like I was a woman and then finally someone would say hey go you know chat with this person they they know Kurt Vonnegut personally and then you know <laughs>
2: Upworthy, Upworthy Weekly Upworthy. yeah you'd go into a chat sorry
1: <laughs> so I'm just cutting Upworthy you off weekly. sorry no I Allison-
2: Upworthy I was weekly. gonna say you stop go to the chat room. Stop
1: talking. <laughs> I
2: was gonna say ASL. Remember that? ASL. Age, oh. sex, location. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a chat room thing for our young listeners. Upworthy, Upworthy Weekly. So uh, a guy named Doug Weaver went viral on TikTok for a video where he discussed. A husband's in training course that his mom gave him and his two brothers when he was growing up. Uh, This was like a legit, comprehensive course that she gave. And I'm repeating myself, but it's just, it bears repeating. A college style course in all the things that could come into play when you're going to become a husband. She started when they were young and it involved like etiquette you know around the dinner table how to listen to someone's feelings
1: so let's listen real quick to mr weaver uh explain the husbands and training course
0: so when i was a kid my mom did this thing for me and my two older brothers called husbands and training that's what she called it it was a full like multiple year curriculum on how to be a better husband. It covered everything from eating etiquette to chivalry to like the ethics of the porn industry, just anything you can think of. Some of it was too much. I remember one thing in particular, it was called the porn quiz. I think I still have it on one of my old laptops. (laughs) That was a quiz about the porn industry and it was too much. But there was a lot of really good stuff in that curriculum There were things like, what to do if your spouse says something and the information that they give is wrong. How to handle it if they say something wrong in public versus in private, when it is appropriate to correct them and when it isn't. We talked about consent. We talked about just the basics of respecting and honoring women and listening to women and all of the things that really just make you a decent human being.
1: So, Allison Rosen, you are the mother of two young boys. I am. I am the father of one young boy. And what would
2: you teach
1: them about being husbands? What would be your great advice?
2: Um, I think I would want to teach them how to be, a, be supportive without invalidating your spouse's feelings.
1: Because
2: mm. I think that that's a skill, and I think it doesn't necessarily come naturally unless you're raised in a house where people talk like that. Because I think that there's a tendency to want to reassure someone that everything's going to be okay. And if you aren't careful, that can make a sensitive person feel shut down.
1: That's like toxic positivity, as they call it. Yes, yes. Right. It's like if you are facing something, let me just mirror that as a husband. So Mm. you're going to have a stressful week. You're really anxious about it. And you say, Todd, I'm going to have the worst week ever. I've got a doctor's appointment. I've got all this work stuff to do. I got all this. And I go, don't worry, toots. It's going to be great. You're fine. You're big enough to do it. And then you feel invalidated because you really honestly don't think you're going to be able to have a good week and get through it.
2: Right. I mean, it's sort of, there's nuances to it because from certain people, that kind of vote of confidence actually could feel okay. Like, I feel like if, if, well, if you, Todd, my co-host said it, it would be Mm. okay. But if you, Todd, my husband said it, then I would feel like, I feel like you're not hearing me. You're not hearing what I'm saying. Right. Cause I was wanting to talk about how I feel anxious or I feel stressed and you're what I'm hearing from you is you don't want to hear it right now. You know, and I'm sure that sounds ex- to, to people who are not involved in a relationship with someone who's sensitive. I'm sure that sounds exhausting <laughs> to have to deal with that. But it's like, I think a lot of pe- a lot, but there's a lot of people listening right now who are like, yes, I get it. So I think that's like a big skill that husbands need.
1: You know, I kind of learned that because my mother had the book men are from mars women are from venus around the house it's so it's such a cheesy title but it's actually a pretty good book that's what i you know it i mean i'm not divorced you know crap uh (laughs) but i remember reading it when i was like 21 or whatever um and then i it's in there it was like don't be miss mr fix it Like if your spouse is coming to you with problems, don't just don't, don't get in there and go, well, why don't you do this and give a bunch of unsolicited advice. Just sit there, listen, repeat back what they're saying and ask them questions and make them feel heard. And then if they want your help, they'll ask for it. You know? Yeah. Unless they're like weird and passive aggressive and you know, whatever, but in a healthy relationship that works. And I think that was a big lesson for me to learn because in, Intuitively, I, that would not be how I would react.
2: Right. What would you intuitively do? Offer solutions?
1: Yes. I think that, that's what I would do. Uh, right. I, I think may, that's just, I think, to generalize in a very sexist way, I think men are kind of reared to be that way, and maybe it's an effect of having a lot of testosterone. I don't know.
2: Well, that, that, I mean, that's John Gray who wrote Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. That's kind of the thesis of that book. Is that that's what men do, and that that is how they are helpful to each other is to try to fix problems. But the way women, and again these are gross generalizations, and it's an older book at this point, but typically when, the way women show that they care for each other is to listen and to sort of be in it with each other. So it creates this uh, budding of heads. It's you know it's another way of like you know the the five love languages or whatever. It's like another. Uh, it's it's that, but just another, it's just another way of putting it that way. It's just like it creates this budding of heads when women expect one thing and then they feel shut down. But the men, the dude was like just trying to help, etc. What would what would your husband and training course involve? The
1: funny thing is that was one of them. Don't try to fix it; just listen and and be supportive. Uh, another thing I think it's um, to be fair. Hmm. To be fair in their relationship, you know, making sure that you're, again, you're giving your half, you know, or more than half or whatever, like, and be fair to the other person. I mean, and, and not just being fair about household duties, but it's also being fair, not overly judging people about things like know that the person you're with is not going to be perfect and to go, okay, Mm -hmm. cool, you messed up, big deal. I'm not going to use it to beat you over the head. And I think lots of times there's a jockeying for power in relationships that people, oh, caught you slipping, now I'm going to make you pay for it. And that seems unhealthy. Um, Yeah,
2: don't keep score.
1: Yeah, and I think also as a man, and as I think lots of times women in a heterosexual relationship that women give more and are expected to give more than they receive when it comes to doing things like child rearing, domestic stuff. And at a time when both people tend to be making the same amount of money, uh, roughly, Mm -hmm. or having the same amount of professional responsibility, um, still the onus really isn't on men to still be even and all those things so i think a big thing to have a healthy relationship and not creating resentment is just to be fair about everything and then also realize that you know what uh make deals in your marriage like everything is kind of compromised in a way and there's nothing wrong with that of going look i want to get these extra crazy expensive football tickets I'm going to drive a, you know, this, or, Hey, look, why don't you take the kid to target here and I'll do this on this. And, you know, like it's you can do that and it's healthy and it's fine. And and I think Mm -hmm. that that creates space for everybody to live their lives, you know?
2: Yeah. And I think, I mean, this is like really fine tuning and also personal, but I would probably err on the side of communicate about everything. That's what works for Daniel and me. Um, I think there's this fantasy of like well some of the things are so small that they don't they don't necessitate a whole big discussion about it because it's it's stupid to like make someone really iron out something so small so I'm just going to deal with it on my own. And I understand that thought process but that has never really worked for Daniel and me. Whenever either of us try to just hold something in we're both so transparent we can tell <laughs> so for us we have to just talk about everything yeah just put it out on the table right it's just for us it just works better and we we always, and this is the first relationship where it's been this way and i think it's like why we work well together whenever we talk about things we always feel closer to each other after You're right mm-hmm. i never really had that before before it was always like Okay, I'm glad that I tried to talk about it, but now I just feel like that didn't go well. And I don't, now I have to like put myself back together and I feel icky. Yeah.
1: I feel like you just survived a conflict versus just kind of made yeah. something work.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, and you know, I got a
1: little overzealous in the prep, Allison. And I started thinking, okay. what if I was making a wives class? <laughs>
2: Uh oh. I should have seen this coming. <laughs> this you is want this... equal time. Yeah, no,
1: I just I just started thinking like, you know, if I had a daughter and I was teaching her how to be a good spouse, I would say, you know, if you're gonna talk to me, you're gonna ooh, if you're gonna talk to your spouse, make <laughs> sh- make sure you're in the same room. <laughs> like, don't be like Todd or whatever the spouse's name is walk into the room and speak with me shoulder up brave talk and, yeah. and, and let's talk you don't you know and, and like let's say you see something cute on Instagram and you're in the bedroom and I'm in the <laughs> living room you walk out and show it to me wow. because you think it's cute you don't say Todd come here look at the Instagram and then I gotta run all the way up and, I mean your your spouse has to do that yeah you know and also keep your monologue internal very important <laughs> Like, there are some thoughts that are thoughts and some thoughts that are for the public or for your spouse to hear. Like, nobody, you know, you don't want to see somebody just walking around the house going, oh, this is disgusting. This is dirty. Oh, jeez, we need a new toaster. Oh, my God. Oh, jeez, I have such a headache. You know how hot it is right now? Oh, God, you know, the the car is out of gas. We probably need a new car because it ran out of gas. I don't, you know... um. Don't have what I call white woman's Tourette's Which is just constant little <laughs> Micro complaints throughout the day About everything
2: Cause That is your, hilarious
1: Your spouse probably doesn't want to hear it Is what I'm saying
2: But is Okay but is the Is all of that so that you'll hear it And fill the car up with gas No I think it's just Just it, talking it, out it, loud
1: to herself This hypothetical wife Talks a lot <laughs> to herself all the time and it pulls me in because i think i have to address it and then i see it as like kind of a micro complaint against me because like maybe i should have put gas in the car whatever and it it's unnerving for for a decade you know
2: you know what my husband does uh i mean hypothetically if i had a hypothetical husband i mean i would say to my kids (laughs) This, If I was doing a husband and training course, I would say to my kids, when you're married, if there's ever a pandemic where you're working together in the same room separately, don't all of a sudden go, (gasps) or like, oh, no, or, oh, Jesus. And then when your wife says, what, be silent for an extended period of time, either because you're focusing on what you're focusing on or you have headphones on. Leaving her to wonder, did someone die? Did you just get fired? Like, what Mm -hmm. just happened? And then when she asks again, what happened? Go, oh, nothing. Don't do that.
1: It's going to give you a heart attack.
2: I know. It is so annoying. And I'm sure it's like he saw some insane. I, I feel like it's like something related to a meme or someone clapped back and i mean i feel like it was nothing it's nothing that has but my reaction is always like like and maybe i don't know what this reveals but my reaction Mm. is always like oh no he missed an important meeting or like oh no he got fired or oh no our house is gonna collapse or i was like i always think it's some calamity
1: yeah yeah, I'll, I'll do that, too, and then my, my wife will be like, what? What happened? And I'll be like, oh, God, they gave him a three-year contract. It should have been a four-year contract. <laughs> what are they thinking? We need to shore up that <laughs> side of the line, you know?
0: Upworthy, Upworthy Weekly. People are sharing
1: the, quote, one question they'd ask God if, if they could, and the responses are
2: pretty deep. You know, we're just taking it light this week. <laughs> right. This is your thing, this you're like I just want to do small talk and then make people go deep.
1: Mm-hmm. As the show progresses, right. the, the topics get deeper and deeper, and we kind of we, we we hit this you know late second ask, act stuck in the mud kind of thing. You know, it gets it's real dramatic. Also, mm-hmm. great great to know that neither of our spouses listen to this show. <laughs> A Reddit user by the name Geometry Thing. Recently asked the Reddit sub forum, you can ask God any one question. What do you ask him? Now, I believe they're going him on God just because in Abrahamic religions, it's like him capitalized cuz mm-hmm. I feel like in reality God would be a they because yeah. like who needs genitals when you're living outside of space and time or to identify in a certain way? Right. Okay. I'm Glad with we're on you. the we're on the same page there. Okay. Upworthy Weekly at Upworthy.com. What gender is God? And the answers range from the philosophical to the heart wrenching to the hilarious. Um, I might have already read that.
2: No, you didn't.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, and so these are some of did. the these are these are some of the uh, the best ones. It was uh I want to know who committed all the big unsolved murders. Madeline McCann? Do
2: you know what that is? She is a yeah, uh, I only know because I recently saw a picture of her. She's a, a little girl, uh, and I'd completely forgotten. I believe she's a little girl, and I had completely forgotten about her. And then someone tweeted something about her recently, and I was, and it like jogged my memory. Um, just a sad unsolved toddler mystery, I believe.
1: Okay, uh, Jean-Benet Ramsey, uh, Tupac, and Biggie. The Black Dahlia, JFK. Like, that would be a great question. You, and and yeah. then you're like, oh, so it was Lee Harvey Oswald. Okay.
2: <laughs> Boring. <laughs> God. That was if That's your one question, and then you just find out it was what you already... Like, oh, there was no big conspiracy? That would suck. Yeah.
1: Now, this next one is one that I quietly, within my own heart, ask. But I know that you get ridiculed if you ask it, and that's... um. How do magnets work? Mm. Who ridicules you? Well, that was Magnet. a big it was a big deal in an insane clown posse song. It like went <laughs> viral because the the whole song was one of these like oh the world is full of wonders. You know, like how do we know it was an uplifting very very upworthy song. That, that was kind of like almost like one of these like 80s Michael Jackson heal the world kind of things but it was uh-huh. the insane clown posse and they say how do magnets work was one of the lines and I think they're being tongue in cheek as
2: right so the idea is like this is a question that a not smart person would ask and cor- also Todd
1: correct but I think it has something to do with like the North Pole
2: yeah and Polarity. elves yeah yes water fire
1: air and dirt Magnus, how do they work? This one was pretty deep. It was, how is it possible that you know all the things that will ever happen, and I have free will? So if I kill a man, mm. that means you already knew it would happen. At that point, why would I ask for forgiveness? You already knew what can happen, since I can't change your will, and doesn't that kind of cancel out free will also? Correct?
2: Yes. Yes.
1: It's kind of like the prayer thing, right? Like, if God already knows what's going to happen, right? Alpha and the Omega and all the be-all, then how how does prayer factor in? Because he already knows what he's going to do. He's also already going to know that you're going to pray, right?
2: Right. Like, what level of wiggle room are we working with here? Yeah. I mean, we need...
1: Uh, you know what? I always thought that just... You know Gilbert Gottfried's podcast had this and I think it would be beneficial to us is that the third guest would be a rabbi.
2: Should we get one?
1: Yeah, David David Kamarofsky, Rabbi David, if you're if you're free now, uh you can join this podcast and just hang out in the background or you know we'll get I'm sure Shmuley Boteach isn't doing anything these days. We'll get him to chime in and, and and correct our big philosophical questions.
2: Ooh, I love it, a rabbi ombudsman. What's an
1: it's an ombudsman, isn't it?
2: You work in, in news. Uh, an ombudsman is someone who represents the will of the people uh, or the voice of the people. The ombudsman itself does not mean either of those things, but like he's there to represent the people's interest and uh, to sort of hold our feet to the fire and to correct us when we're wrong. And I think newspapers used to or sometimes have an ombudsman we need an ombudsman. I'm going to look I'm going to get the exact definition. Okay. Just give me a moment.
1: But I feel like if we had a rabbi, they'd only rep- they wouldn't represent the people, they'd represent the chosen people. So yeah. we need some we need to cast a wider net.
2: Um Okay, it's Swedish and uh noun an official appointed to investigate individuals complaints against maladministration especially that of public authorities so
1: i was um, thinking to myself yes if i had you know the ability to ask a question of god what would it be and i came up with 5 that i that oh, i wow. the, that i put in the article and you you tell me if these are worthy you know and the first one was Probably most important. What was in Marcellus Wallace's briefcase in Pulp Fiction?
2: Hmm. Good one.
1: Yeah, because you don't know. Like John Travolta opens it up, he gets a bright light on his face. Is it gold? Is it like some bomb heroin? Is it Marcellus Wallace's soul? I don't know.
0: We yeah. have.
3: Vincent, we happy?
1: Yeah, we happy. Look. Uh, The next one would be Can I have my dog Murray back now?
2: Mm, Yes.
1: Next would be Where's John Lennon? And is there a bar in this place where we can have a few beers? Maybe. And then the next one, this is this is again, this is why we need an ombudsman or a rabbi ombudsman to come in. Um and that's so if God allegedly heals people, why is it always something internal that we can't see? And you know what I'm saying? Like it's never like a limb grows back. You know, it's never anything visible. it's always something internal right. like oh, God cured this disease or that disease or God got my blood to re- run in the right direction when it was running the wrong way or whatever right. people, people go die of or go to the hospital for. But it's never like uh, a guy stepped on a landmine, prayed, mm-hmm. leg grew back, everybody saw it. You know, it's always right. something that you can't yeah. see.
2: Because like, they say God works in mysterious ways. Why does it have to be so mysterious? Yeah. That's a good, good question. I like all these. These are pretty good.
1: Huh. You got any? You got any
2: big questions for God? Or yeah, you I settle- I would, would want to know should I watch Lost? Because <laughs> I'm very into Severance right now. I mean, I already watched the whole season, but it's, and it's, oh my God, it's all I want to think about, all I want to talk about, all I want to read about. But like, I'm tired of the Reddit board. And I've already, everyone keeps recommending this one podcast. I'm not going to say the name, but I, I'm not entertained by it. And um, in my opinion, it's not very good. Hence, I'm not saying the name, but it's not working for me. Uh, and, and people have said it reminds them of the first season of Lost. I've, I haven't seen one episode of Lost, but... I only know two people in the whole world and I'll say their names, Bobby Moynihan of SNL fame and Tony Thaxon of my podcast fame who like lost everyone else. I know who's seen it was angry at it and felt like they wasted their time. So I don't, do I want to invest all my time in lost? I need to know from God whether it's, mm. whether I should, cause I feel like he would know my viewing habits. So I want to know that. I would like to know why all the suffering, why? Like, you're God, you seem to be kind of in control here. Mm. What's the point of all of it? And then to that point about the point, I would just want to know what is the point of all of it? What was the point? Those are my questions. And then I actually do have some specific questions like about maybe things in my life, like did I handle that right? Did that did it have to go down like that? Was there maybe another way that could have resulted in less pain? Um things like that. But probably the main one is should I watch lost?
1: You know, I'm going to say I'm, I I don't speak for God. You don't, you know. I'm not the pope. <laughs> right. I'm not Kanye's PR agent. Uh, but, uh, but what I will say, I'm going to say, I don't think you have to take it to a higher power. I think you mm-hmm. should not watch Lost. Did you watch it? No. But okay. I had a roommate that watched it at that time. And he was beside himself when they wrapped okay. that show up and about how like just bamboozled and cheated he felt.
2: That's the general thing. Oh, One more thing. So I recently found myself watching a TikTok of a woman who's very into alligators, and she claims that there was an alligator at the South Carolina Aquarium, an albino alligator named Indigo, who had one move. It would hang out at the top of the tank, and then it would go to the bottom, and then it would go back to the top, and that's all it would ever do. And she was like, this alligator, this albino alligator is fake. And she wrote about it on her Facebook page. And then it kind of blew up. And then shortly after that, the alligator got sick and died mysteriously. Mm. And she says she's not one for conspiracy theories, but she believes, like, it didn't make sense that they had one of the only white alligators one sorry there's only 50 or something again this is some woman's tiktok i'm not i can't verify any of this but like they had only one of 50 in the whole world and blah 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 and she gives a compelling reason for this alligator being fake and i was watching this and i'm like sure this sounds good i think it's fake and then i stepped back and i was like wait a minute this is insane sounding this is one of those things where while you're watching it it sounds i i don't think this is true so i would like to if i could just get a like one and a half questions in I would also want to ask God is there any truth to this TikTok
1: you know I'd say so you ask the first question and then you go real quick God and yeah. then you, you you drop the alligator thing and now the thing is God keeps his word mhm uh and so then I I think that God with the alligator thing I think maybe he won't give you a verbal on it but uh mm. He'll, he''ll he'll give you a nonverbal like
2: <laughs> right like, I think eh, you're right you know whatever yeah
0: upworthy weekly It's time to rate your week. Have something great happen this week that you just have to share with the world Tell us about it by emailing us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com.
1: I always feel like I'm in Twin Peaks when I hear this song. Um,
0: So, Allison,
1: on a scale of one to five, one being fantastic, five being completely transplanted, rate your week.
2: I'm giving this one a 3.5. I did my first in person group show, which was pretty exciting. Uh, However, that day, I found myself feeling pretty anxious. I was just nervous to have people over again and not even from a COVID perspective, just a social anxiety perspective, I think. Also, um, you know, I had mentioned that our babysitter has been out with mono. She's actually back today, which is so wonderful. Um, and she's feeling better. But it's been it's been hard. Uh
1: that has wait, 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 wait. Sorry. I, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I'm I really that okay. was very, very rude of me.
2: But go go for it.
1: I don't know. You know, like you're not buying the white alligator. Like, you don't think mon- she has mono? Had well, mono? Mon- mono that only lasts like two weeks. It's not, it's not mono. Like mono is somebody who was alive in the 70s and 80s where everybody had the mono. Uh, mm. it, it lasted nine, 10 years. You know, it, it, was, like, it was like having long form COVID. It was like someone's got mono. They're not coming back to school. You know? I know. They're gonna finish up I on the thirty-six and they come back to school to finish their year. We had kids, you know, in the eighth grade that were forty nine because they had mono and couldn't leave the house.
2: I I think that like she actually I I think she might still have it. She's just she just feels well enough to come to work and as long as she's not making out with my kids, we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know, okay. yes, it does last a long time. It takes a long time to resolve. Yeah. So, I hope that... I, I Here's hoping, because I, I don't know... Like, she feels well enough to be back, um, and she seems to be... She seems like herself, but I wouldn't be surprised if she tires quickly. We'll we'll see how it goes. Um but anyway, so I did the show and and that was fun. Um and I went back to I had my first in-person therapy appointment since the whole pandemic started, which oh. was uh I mean I've been doing it remote, but it was weird. I stepped into the waiting she has a new office now and I stepped into the waiting room and I saw all her like tchotchkes and stuff that was you know, from her old waiting room in the new place. And I felt weirdly emotional. I didn't expect that. Mm. It just reminded me of like how long it's been since I've actually seen all her little books and I don't know, you know, waiting room stuff. And so that was cool. So yeah, it, it was a fine, it was a fine, a fine week with some anxiety.
1: Are you a better person this week than you were last?
2: I feel like I'm, I, you know, I've been thinking about it. This expectation that we improve, it's unrealistic.
1: (laughs) Well, it's it's part of your job as being on this show. I know! It's too... It's written in the contract. You're going to have to self-evaluate. Because here's the thing. The whole point of this idea was, which I got to say was my brilliant idea, that I thought the people listening, the thousands of people who listen to this show, will hear us repeatedly say this, and then they will think to themselves hey, you know, if I make small changes, I can get a little bit better. You know, that 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 was the the concept. Get 1% better every day and then you're 100% better, you know, in a quarter, a quarter of a year. So that was the idea. It wasn't to put undue stress on people who have a really hard time making small adjustments to their life and getting better.
2: Hmm. Well, now that you put it... Oh, wait a minute. I just realized something. I sent out my... Dumb newsletter that I started, that I had fallen behind on. I sent it out this week, um. So I am one percent better because I, I got I'm back in the swing of things, so one percent better.
1: Good, I got that. It didn't even go to my spam. It went right. Oh really? Right. To I my didn't inbox. even know you
2: subscribe. Welcome. Um. Wonderful. Thank you. And what about you? How was your week?
1: You know, it's a really busy week because, as you know, there's a lot of stuff in the background going on with this show. That yeah. uh, took up a lot of time and effort, and a lot. Of, I'm always biting off more than I can chew, so I made myself way too busy this week, and I think it really hit me when yesterday I had a cocktail, and I fell asleep at 8.45 while watching Better Call Saul, <laughs> and I didn't wake up till like 11 o'clock at night. My wife goes, Todd, from, from, from the other room, room. From the other room <laughs> to come ask to put her to bed, because that, that's what we do every night. We... We tuck each other in. Oh, my God.
2: That is so cute. How is the file this under the tortoise revelation and the other revelations that I'm forgetting right now. How is this only coming up now? It's
1: I don't know.
2: What do you guys? How do you do? Back up and explain (laughs) this, please, because my husband and I don't do anything like this. We just put ourselves to bed. Like a
1: couple of weirdos. No, my wife demands it. Uh, So, you know, I come in in the room and and I I make sure she's tucked in and I say, I love you. And I give her a kiss and make sure she's cozy. And then she she says, when are you coming to bed? And I go, oh, maybe I'm going to finish something up and, you know, whatever. Who knows? I'm going to sneak out the window and go to the bar for a bit. Who knows? But. And then I tell her. And then what happens is she doesn't realize she's been asleep. And like an hour and a half later, I'll come to bed. And then she'll go, she'll go, oh, are you coming to bed? Like she, she thought I just tucked her in and then lied about staying up later. And then Uh she, she mumbles to herself for a bit. And then she, uh, she finally falls asleep. So, yeah. That's so so
2: sweet. So you said that you tuck each other in, but it's more like you tuck her in.
1: Yeah. I always stay up later. So so we did that, and so then she woke me. I was so tired from the week that I heard my name being called at, like, 11, and then I woke up, and I was like, oh, and you look, and it's just the Roku screensaver, and it's no longer Bob Odenkirk on the TV. <laughs> and and uh, Rhea Seahorn, she used to come on your show.
2: Ray Seahorn, yeah. She pronounced Se- it Ray, even though it's spelled like Rhea. Um, yeah, she's been on a couple times. I love her. She is great.
1: i been mean to ask you about that, but so – I was very tired, so but I had one, one, what, so I give the week like a three. I had one nice night where we had Daddy Declan Day, where I took my kid out, and he always asks, "Can we have a Daddy Declan Day?" Oh because he knows that means pocket full of quarters. Dad has go someplace where there's pizza and beer in the Dodger game, and then I just <laughs> keep giving him quarters, and he runs around getting tickets or some crap, and I, and I relax and eat something unhealthy. Um, so that was fun. So that's why my week was uh, three.
2: That sounds pretty good. And are you a better person? Well, no, because <laughs> I I
1: considered committing a crime to feed my addiction.
2: I'm going to need to hear more about this. A lot of revelations on today's show. I know.
1: So as we all know, there's this problem with the supply chain, Right. Yes. You know, people can't get things, things are sold out, prices are going up, you know. Uh, so what happens is every day in my coffee, I usually, I need a lot of coffee to get going because mm-hmm. I write like 1,200 plus words a day for Upworthy. It takes a lot of brain power, a lot of focus, and so I get really just gacked on caffeine. And then also like doing this show. I You know, you got to be chatty, you got to, you know. So I, I, I drink a lot of caffeine. So... I used to I'd make my coffee and I had these, these things called Stokes.
2: Right. No, I know. You drink your revolting Pike Place and then you put a shot of espresso in it.
1: Yeah. So well, what happens is that because of the supply chain, you can't find the Stokes anymore. Oh, no. So I, I started like, uh, like not mm. being able to function because I just really got my body used to operating on an intense amount of caffeine. And so then I went on Amazon. All sold out. Oh, I e- emailed the company, the Stoke Company, <laughs> Joseph R. Stoke. I sent him an email, and did they nothing. reply to you? Yes, they did. What did and they say? I, I think it was the production. There's production problems because of the pandemic. Ugh.
2: I feel you so much on this one. I've had things like this, uh, and I and I understand the desperation. Like I'm sure you would drive five hours to get it at this point. Oh, yeah. To the factory, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, because, like, I can't function. And so uh, what happened was I, I realized that they have them at 7-Eleven. You know, you have your creamers. And right, they keep, oh. Keep... So <laughs> the other day mm. I said, you know, about eight, thir- eight, 8 in the morning before I'm starting work, I go, I'm going to go over to 7-Eleven, and I'm just going to pocket a couple.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm What's gonna, the I'm harm? Gonna... It's a victimless crime. Yeah,
1: you know, I'm I'm gonna violate the honor system at seven eleven that says don't take too much chili. Right. You know, don't take too much cheese for that hot dog, save some for everybody else. Yeah. There's creamers out, but don't take a handful. Use one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. I said, you know what? I'll buy a coffee, I'll buy something. So I'm not outright thieving, but you know, when the guy at the register isn't paying attention, I'm gonna I'm gonna abscond some.
2: Mm-hmm. Gonna steal it. Perfect crime. Yeah.
1: And so and then hope they don't pop in my pocket. So <laughs> I go over to the seven eleven and I start doing paces around the coffee thing. Which by the way, seven eleven coffee is surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. This is what I hear.
2: So, yeah, so I'm too I'm wa- good for seven eleven, but this is what I hear.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Pike. So I'm walking around the coffee thing and I do about four laps and I realize they don't have it there.
2: Oh no. It took you four laps to figure that out. I was obs- upset.
1: so then I walk
2: over to the guy working there I go, hey. Uh, well, I'm sorry. What were you doing on the laps? Try to look cool, but looking really suspicious while you were doing the laps because you couldn't just go over and look?
1: Yeah. It was like hands in the pockets, kind of looking <laughs> over my shoulder at the coffee. C-
2: casing the joint.
1: Yeah. I made some small talk with a gal getting some coffee and we both remarked about how tired we were. Oh boy. Hence the needing of the
2: coffee. So I finally- have an idea for what you should do, but I want to hear your sad story first.
1: So eventually I go over to the guy that works at the the Seven Eleven, And I go, hey, buddy, uh, you know what to do with like the little, I, I try to act like I don't know that much about it.
2: You know, like. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean.
1: I go, hey, buddy, you got the, you know, the the black things that you put, in with the thing that's got, just takes the coffee up a little bit. Goes, I
2: happen to have the barcode saved on my phone. <laughs> if that would help you.
1: And the guy goes, oh, the Stokes. I go, yeah. And so he's got a box of them right behind. <gasps> like, I guess other people had been taking them, or maybe Oh wow. People were violating the seven eleven honor system and just taking yeah. handfuls. So I I got real desperate and I was like, I will buy that whole box. That was my idea. I was gonna say you should just offer to buy it off of him. Yeah. Name your price, you know. And the guy goes, No, he goes, How many do you need? And it was like, Are you
2: driving Lyft again (laughs) to support
1: this (laughs) box? Guy goes, How many do you need? And he was going to give them away free. So I couldn't be like, Give me 15 or else I'm just being so wrong, you know? Yeah, but you need them. I need them. But, you know, I only need like three every five days. And so the guy, I said, Give me five. And then I was hoping that maybe the next time I come in, I'll come in a different time of night and there'll be another guy working there and I'll go and mm-hmm. I'll do, play the same charade. As, right. You know. So the guy gave me like a pocket full of them and then I bought like a beer, you know, just to, you know.
2: At eight in the morning?
1: Yeah. I didn't drink it at eight in the morning.
2: I know, but still. <laughs> Wait so a minute. I
1: got it. So this makes me a bad person is what I'm saying.
2: This is not- I don't think, but, it, well, because you considered- pilfering some mm-hmm. but you didn't actually do it i no. wish that he had just let you buy the whole box would he have let you buy the whole box because you would get how much would how high were you gonna go
1: uh for the whole box there looked to be about 80 in there uh-huh. so i mean normally when i buy them like that i'd pay like 20 bucks so i would go higher 35 you know
2: i feel like for something like that in these times, you got to go like 100.
1: Got to go higher. And then yeah. it, maybe I should You, just you start, could sell them yourself if you need to. Maybe I could just work it off. Like maybe I could just start like pulling shifts. You know, like <laughs> when a guy has to go to the bathroom, I'll drive up there and, and then yeah. and then get the Stokes.
2: Yeah, you can be the relief worker. Now, do you have, are they just espresso?
1: That's what it's called. But it's really, it's not that, it's not like-
2: it's not that strong of a flavor. It, it, it blends in seamlessly with a pike. Got it. I understand. Wow, Todd. Well, I'm glad you got you got them. So you only need three every five days. So it's not daily for you.
1: I'm rationing. I'm rationing. I'd like to thank everybody for listening to Upworthy Weekly. I'd like to thank Allison Rosen for stopping by and being a great chat
0: upworthy weekly was produced by todd perry follow upworthy on all socials at upworthy allison is on twitter at allison rosen and todd at todd a perry that's todd with one d questions comments or to tell us about your amazing week email us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com i'm marley Balin. have a great week